Hi everyone, welcome to a new podcast titled Questions for and Against Design. This is a podcast about current issues that are facing our design field today, specifically issues that people maybe overlook or or don't really want to talk about. Um, I wanted to look at design criticism from a new lens, one that included history as well as current events, um, and really rethinks the way that design as a field exists today. So that led to questions for and against design. My name is Grace Hamilton, and I will be your host, and I am currently a master's in fine arts student in design at the University of Notre Dame. Previously, I worked as a designer for five years um, in the commercial space. So I have quite a breadth of different backgrounds and experiences in design, um, but really this is my first step into design criticism. And the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I think it's important to highlight voices of people that have been researching these issues from much longer than I have, and that maybe can answer a few of the questions that have been probing my thoughts about design. So many of the people that I will be hosting on this podcast are design educators, design critics, design students, um, people that have a critical have put a critical lens over design. So with that being said, I wanted to introduce our first podcast guest, Jarrett Fuller, who is a designer, writer, educator, editor, and podcaster. He is an assistant professor of graphic design at North Carolina State University, contributing editor at AIGA IN Design, director of 26, um, a design and editorial studio, And he also hosts a design podcast, Scratching the Surface, which everyone should check out. Um, He previously worked as a designer at Facebook, Warby Parker, and The Whitney. Uh, And he received his MFA in graphic design and critical studies from Maryland Institute College of Art. So Jarrett has an incredible amount of research into design, specifically design education. Um, And I think that's really why I wanted to have him on the podcast is because of articles that I had read by him on AIGA Ion Design. These articles were about changing the way that we taught in the classroom, changing this hierarchy of professor over student, but also changing the way that we parse design out and it's no longer this multidisciplinary thing. We also talked about the notion of good design and the fact that many of the principles that we teach are through a very Eurocentric model of design education. Um, So I think there's a lot of interesting ideas and interesting thoughts that Jared and I discuss and questions that I had for him. Um, And I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it. But it's, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Of course. Um, I hope I have something interesting to say. I'm sure, yeah. So I actually uh, found your thesis project from your graduate program, um, which was your podcast. Yep. Um, and uh, a lot of the topics that you explored, I feel like uh, my research overlaps slightly. Hmm. Um, 
And I'm just getting kind of like started into this. I, before, okay. when I was working as a designer in an undergraduate, I never thought of design in any kind of like critical way other than like just cranking out the next thing that <laughs> I needed to do. So <laughs> having this time, and also as a part of our program, we teach. So having this time to mm. kind of like reflect on, on not only like my own design experience, but also teach and like tell yeah uh, it was like five or six five six seven years before i went back um and i went back to school specifically i'm only telling you this because you said you you looked at my my thesis yeah um specifically because i was interested in thinking about design critically and deeper and not just turning out projects one after another which is what i was doing and was not what i was interested in and not the kind of design i was interested in and I was trying to figure out if there was like some other way to practice design. And so I went to school like very specifically to think about design kind of in the way that you're talking about it, about it now. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's, I kind of like, didn't know that that was what I was doing and then, and then started doing it. So I'm like in my year two, it's a three-year program. So I'm in the okay. second year. Um, and I started off doing um, design work for uh, like domestic violence shelter here. And then through that started thinking more critically about this process of like design thinking that that professors often talk about and kind of like the pitfalls yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, Want to talk briefly about it? I don't really know how to ask a question around it other than like, what do you think of it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a big um... question. Yeah, that's a big. I let me let me try to answer this in two ways. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be organized in in this answer. So the problem that I have with design thinking, and I don't I don't like that term design thinking. I don't like the idea of design thinking yeah. as the way it's kind of understood today, and and the reason being is that. Two, there's two reasons. One, it's sort of become like a brand and a buzzword on its own. And so when that happens, it kind of just loses all meaning. You know, it's just like a trendy thing. And so I think if you ask, and, and, and then in doing that, it, it sort of like devolves what it means. It just like, it gets just like reduced. And so if you ask people what design thinking means today, most people are going to be like, IDEO, post-it notes, you know, brainstorming, all of this. And so it's become this sort of like marketable thing that non-designers can do to feel like they're being designers or to feel like they're being creative when really they're not. And that's not, that's not to say that they're not creative or that, you know, that they shouldn't be doing it, but it's, it is a it is a, a process that is designed to like make you feel like you're being innovative and most of the time you're not. Um, there's a really interesting article about this um, that I can send to you um, that I actually just assigned to my students um, a couple of months ago, which is why I'm thinking about it. Um, that basically, um, it's called graphic design is like, or no, no, design thinking is- encapsulate um, a lot of my thoughts <laughs> and, that, and yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of parroting up there which yeah. is um and you can find some other things so 
So that's one is that it's sort of just become this like trendy thing that has um, sort of lost meaning and has become a way to make it seem like design is important when it actually, you know, isn't really doing that. Um, there's, there's somebody who I can't remember who it is, um, who said that design thinking should be called design thanking, because the point is to thank the designer. And the idea is that what design thinking does is it makes the designer the center of the problem and it makes everything seem like a design problem. And so this contributes to this idea that I call the, the designer savior complex, which is that, you know, if you're a designer and you've been taught that design is problem solving, well, suddenly every problem seems like a design problem and that then it can be solved through design and whatever type of design you practice. So if you're a graphic designer, you're like, oh, we'll make some posters. We'll make some nice type. We'll do a website. And most of the time, that's just a band-aid for some larger problem. I always think of like this example of a call, I think it was like Dezine or one of those types of websites that promotes design thinking was mm -hmm. like, let's do, it was like a poster competition for a refugee crisis. And it was just like, what? Like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to just like make nice posters. And, and yeah. like that to me, so I'm rambling now. No, you're, that's you're, okay. You're getting okay. me going, but um, like, that's what I think of when I think of design thinking, it's become, you know, it's this thing that allows designers to kind of swoop into any context and solve a problem, solve a problem um, without actually kind of wrestling with the real lived experiences of those problems. And most of the time, blanket statement, most of the time it's band-aids for some larger systemic issue that, you know, frankly, design as we practice design, most of the design in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, sorry to self-promote here for a second. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, but I think that's like the other problem of design thinking is that it's become owned by like the business school. It's like the business school version of this idea also. Mm -hmm. um, that was called against design. That was basically saying like design can't solve every problem and that we should be <laughs> weary when designers purport to solve problems. Yeah, I, I think that kind of also leads into my next question, which is like, can, it, I guess, can design be? It depends what you mean by design and it depends what you mean by neutral. <laughs> uh, and so maybe, maybe how do you view design as it stands today? It's the first part of so, that. So, so I'll say like design, like mm -hmm. big design is not, the idea of design is mm -hmm. not good or bad. The idea of design is neutral. Um, design does not inherently make the world a better place. Design inherently does not make the world a worse place. Um, but acts of design, you know, the actual like, design interventions in the world are not neutral. Those, every piece of design changes its context in some way, you know, and it comes from, a, it, it goes into a culture that has 
preconceived notions, biases, ideologies, points of view. And it comes from a designer who has preconceived notions, ideologies, points mm -hmm. of view. And so therefore, like if we're speaking about individual pieces of design, no, it can't be, it can't be neutral. I also like, don't know if there is such a thing as, is neutral. I think, you know, when you use a phrase like that, you have to say like neutral for who, mm. you know? And so there, there's very little in the world that's truly universal. Mm -hmm. um, and so something might be neutral in one culture or be seen as neutral because everybody sort of like believes a, a similar thing. But once you zoom out a little bit, it starts to kind of lose that. Um, and every decision that you're making as a designer is coming from your own background, education, beliefs, um, politics, you know, race, sexuality, all of that is going into your design work, whether you admit it or not. Um, therefore shaping how you think it will, will be in the world or, you know, shaping the decisions that you make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think that also like, uh, ties back into that idea of like design thinking and this, I guess, like concept we have that we can remove ourselves from the problem as a designer, but we really are constantly putting our own perspective on it, whether we know it or are aware of it or not. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think there's like a, going back to kind of your earlier question and, and, and this question of neutrality, I, I think, you know, one of the things about design thinking or like social design and design for good is this sort of inherent optimism in design that, that design can make the world better or that, that, that by adding design to things, it always makes it better. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that that's where I say like the design is neutral, that adding design to design as a concept doesn't do anything. Um, but then in specific cases, it loses that neutrality. I'm, I'm like getting caught up on the semantics. So I hope that makes no. its own opinions or beliefs. I, I, I'm definitely more cautious, but when I'm talking about design at large, um, I, I can't say that this is neutral. You know, it, it is all political. It sounds like it's not my, my belief, but kind of talking about it systemically or, or you know, culturally in some way. Um, but I think it's a problem to kind of present these ideas as, as neutral or apolitical because nothing nothing is is yeah. neutral or industrialization and things like that but anyway um when teaching design history a lot of these like prolific designers are are white men traditionally mm -hmm. um and also the standards that we create design with are yeah. taught to us by these designers so we have a very like eurocentric view mm -hmm. of design um when you're teaching the those like intro level classes where you're trying to say okay like this is this is what good design is i guess how do you like grapple with that <laughs> that is a that that is a, a very very good question it's a question that i think about all the time um so two two things i think when we say good design, I, get, I used a version of this phrase already, so forgive me for repeating myself. But when we say good design, we have to say good for who? Right. Um, you know, design is always for something um, and for someone, uh, whether that is 
trying to sell somebody something, trying to convince somebody of something, trying to educate, trying to communicate, trying to provoke, you know, all these, there's always like an intention behind it. And then it's always directed to somebody, whether that's a culture, a customer, uh, you know, a reader, a viewer, etc. And so you can't, this goes back to that kind of universality or neutrality, you can't just generally say, this is what good design looks like because there's all these different use cases and there's all these different audience types and there's all these different scenarios that sort of change the the like knobs of what makes something good and so something good in one culture or time period or history will not be good in another one mm-hmm. and so like i love paul rand's logos as much as everybody else but we can't say that this is still what logos should be look like because Paul Rand was designing those logos before there was the internet, before there was social media, before there were apps where you had to have icons, before there was moving screens and all of that changes what makes a logo work or not work. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, And so what I always try to do when I'm talking about this stuff is, is, is talking about that, of kind of always asking that question, good for who, um, and really thinking about the context um, and the audience. Um, and then I, I always try to, you know, tell my students that all of these things are just theories. These are just specific methods and ideologies that came from a particular group of people in a particular group of a particular time in, in history. Mm-hmm. And so sort of the like, modernist grids, white, black, red, use a handful of, use like these five typefaces, um, organization, clarity, simplicity. That's just one method amongst a myriad of methods that we can choose from. And that one was popular and that one lasted a long time, but that doesn't make it better than any other. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about it, I try to not show I try to not talk about like design history linearly and I'm not good at it because it's you know that's just kind of like how we are as humans but I try to like say here are all the the methods here are all the ideas you can take and borrow and remix and adapt from all of these depending on your scenario situation audience you know etc um and so it's not like you have to use a grid, you have to, you have to use these typefaces, you have to do this, and that's good design. And then everything else is experimental, which is how I was taught. It's mm-hmm. like one method says grids are nice, using only two typefaces are nice, mm-hmm. not mixing serif and sans serif is nice. But another method says collage all this together, break the grid, you know, all of this. This idea of like you have to know the rules to break the rules is is not a good way to kind of think about it because it's still saying that they're onto them, but I also want them to be successful. In what yeah, so, so a couple things. I, on the first day of every class, mm-hmm. um, have a slide and sort of like my intro for the class where I, I literally say, design is not math. There are not right or wrong answers. <laughs> my job is to not tell you how to do design. My job is not to make you another Jarrett. My job is to not, my job is to like, give you the tools to figure out what these things mean in your own practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I try to frame that right at the beginning. That's not to say that I still don't get questions about, is this good? I've 
many times have had students say, is this good? And I say, I don't know, you know, and let them figure it out. Yeah. Or I, I try to like move away from the idea of like good and bad and more mm -hmm. towards questions of intention. What are you yeah. trying to do? Yeah. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do this thing? Like, you know, and, and kind of frame it as a series of questions. So then they have to kind of talk about their decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think when, when a student is talking about their decisions, then the class can respond to those intentions to say, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's working. Or I don't see that in what you're, what you're actually showing, you know, and then that kind of gives us something to talk about collectively, as opposed to just like looking at work and being like, oh, I like this. Maybe that should be Bodoni instead of Georgia, or right. that red's a little light. Let's darken a little bit. It actually like makes for a richer discussion also. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that like emphasis on process and getting them thinking about why they're making the decisions they are, that mm -hmm. has helped me like, to, this is my first semester teaching my own course. And I like feel like that's finally happening now yeah. at the end, yeah. but was not at all happening in the beginning. So it's good to see that. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's tricky. It's hard. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess just kind of the last question I have is about the the field of design today and and what you feel are the most kind of pressing issues within the field I have a couple of things that maybe so something that's interesting I'm going to, um, uh, <laughs> hopefully this makes sense. I'm going to just kind of say a lot yeah. of things right now, but hope, hopefully I can kind of organize. Something I'm interested in is the relationship between design education and design practice mm -hmm. um, and like the profession and being a student. And for a long time, again, blanket statement here, um, design educators and sort of like design students look to the profession to see what's going on in the profession and then they update the curriculum based on that. So it's like, okay, everybody's doing apps now. Interaction design is the thing, user experience is the thing. Let's add all of these things to our classes or like, oh, branding is big, let's like do branding classes mm -hmm. or, oh, everybody's using Figma now instead of Adobe, let's do mm -hmm. Figma classes. And I think that's backwards. I don't think we should look to the industry about what we should teach the next generation. I think, you know, that, that design students and like people who are in like design education settings, people like yourself should be saying like, this is this is what it means to be a designer today. Mm -hmm. And then put those people out into the world. And then that's how like the design industry changes. It's not based on like these short-term goals that companies have that they say, oh, we need more motion designers. We need more interaction designers. And then schools are like, okay, we'll create those for you. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it goes back to like the beginning of the create. I don't, I don't like how I said that. How, how, how are design students prepared to move through an industry that five, 10 years after they're out of school is going to be completely different? Mm -hmm. um, 
how do how, how does a designer have agency to move through the profession to continue to learn and to not be like pigeonholed into a particular type of design and like that's what i'm seeing a lot of and i think we should break it is that like students become user experience designers or they become branding designers or they become I don't even know what else there is advertising design, you know, and then, and then it's just like silos. And I'm, I, I think we're going to eventually have to head back to, and I hope that we see more of this sort of like multidisciplinary, this like design generally that you can sort of move between all different types. Cause the principle, like, you know, if you have this sort of way of being in the world, these processes, these tools, you should be able to design anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, and then related to that, I'm very interested in like the way user experience and branding has basically like taken over graphic design. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, as a graphic designer, probably 90, as a graphic design student, probably 90% of them will either will graduate and they'll either go in and work for a branding agency or an advertising agency, or they'll work for like a tech company or a product shop designing interfaces. Mm -hmm. Those are like the two biggest things. It's like branding and apps, that's it. And I get it, that's where the money is. That's like, yeah. that's what people need. But I wonder what we lose by focusing on those two things. Mm-hmm. I'm not answering your question necessarily about like what I see, but I'm kind of, I'm like kind of talking around it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's still like, you know, design's a lot bigger than those two things. And I wonder how we get back, yeah. back to that. If, if that's even a thing, the other, th- the, the last thing I'll say to this is I'm, I wonder if graphic design even exists anymore to be honest. Um, and I've talked to other, this is not necessarily a complete original idea of, of mine, um, but maybe graphic design and that term graphic design was a 20th century thing, you know, or, or even like a 19th century thing. And yeah. what we're doing today is something different. And so maybe there is just like branding designers and interaction designers and book, maybe that's, maybe it's like splintered and it's all these different things or it's some new thing, or maybe there's some like new term or whatever. Um, and I, I wonder about the term graphic design in the industry graphic design and what that even means anymore. And if that even has me, maybe graphic design is like design thinking where it's just like has no meaning anymore. Yeah. And it just, you know, <laughs> means everything. Yeah. Um, and so when I think about like the future of graphic design, I wonder like, maybe there isn't one. <laughs> you know? I mean, um, I don't know if I actually believe that, but I think it's an interesting sort of thought experiment for sure. Yeah, I think, um, have you read Caps Lock? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just started it, so I'm not fully, I haven't fully finished it, but I think the idea that he brings up about design as craft is quite interesting and and once again, expanding our definition of design even further, Um, because it's something I never really thought about, but we do separate out 
industrial design from you know what we know as graphic design mm-hmm. so often um, mm-hmm. and we separate out fashion design too but really a lot of those things have common areas yeah um and like then it gets into the question of like design as art like there's a whole yeah thing to think about there I, yeah i mean i i think these like silo it goes back to that sort of multidisciplinary thing i was talking about these silos are helpful to an extent but they're also harmful in other ways like i'm talking to you on a macbook that it was designed by an industrial designer but i'm looking at a screen whose interface was designed by a graphic designer you know or like a 2d designer and they were in communication to design this thing that would work you know, holistically. Yeah. And so this device that I'm talking to you on is both industrial design and graphic design. And so why aren't students in the industrial design program and the graphic design program in classes together, mm-hmm. you know, and working on projects together, or like your shirt has graphics on mm-hmm. the front of it. And that is graphic design. And, you know, you look at, I mean, I'm, I'm still like very sad about the death of Virgil Abloh. Yeah. And, and like, he also, like, I mean, his work was like very much graphic design, if yeah. you really think about it. Um, and, and he doesn't have a graphic design background. He's an architecture, he had an architecture background and then, you know, worked in, in fashion. Um, but his, I would argue his work was very much about graphic design that um, yeah. generated out of them. I think the other thing is like, this is, I think even before this, the thing that I did critically question about design was the field that I was in. I never had a boss who was not a male. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was typically the only woman on my team. And in undergraduate, Mm -hmm. my class was like 75% women. So I was, and I worked in fashion. So I was like, (laughs) I was like, what is going on? Like, why am I the only woman here? Um, and that seems to be a trend among creative teams that it's, it's typically a lot of men, typically a lot of white men and and particularly in leadership roles. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, and I, I'm, I, I'm speaking as one of those men, I realize, um, I've never taught a class that has been majority men. It's always been, uh, women majority women I've been fortunate to have have um women bosses um but if you look AIGA a couple years ago did like a big survey and if you look at like the the percentage of men and women it's much more even than you would think until you get to the leadership positions um and it, it gets very bad uh the other interesting thing though is if you look through design history women have run a lot of the major design programs um, around the country. And so for a long time, Cranbrook that I mentioned earlier, um, you know, RISD, uh, mm-hmm. Yale, CalArts, Art Center, the, the directors of the graphic design programs have been women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's this weird, it's this like weird thing about how the profession sees women, the role of women. Um, I think that there's a lot of really nice kind of research on on women in design that I can send you if if, if that's sort of a a direction that you're interested in, but I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, and also there's um, 
the one thing I did notice was in those fields, um, particularly when I was working for brands, I worked for Bonobos, which is like men's brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have one of their suits. Do you? <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, they there was like a pressure to make my designs less feminine, right? So (laughs) I think that's maybe another problem is this, that I I haven't seen a lot of research on, but when you see a design that, uh, the only thing I can think of is these like Instagram-y designs, um, they're often Mm -hmm. seen as like bad design or like design made on canvas, which is a little bit more like feminine or traditionally feminine. and it, there's a push to like veer away from that and make things more like stark and clean and minimal or something like that. Yeah. Right. Which, yeah. you know, goes back to that. I mean, it goes back to that neutrality thing because like, why do you like that? That is such a cultural bias that mm-hmm. we have, you know, that, that like there's nothing in uh, like clean cult, like, like there's nothing in that that is inherently this equals man yeah exactly you know or vice versa yeah um and so you know even that is embedded with these sort of cultural codes and signifiers that just sort of perpetuate stereotypes ideologies um you know i there's a really good article a couple years ago about when there was all this sort of questions around bathrooms and transgender people Mm -hmm. what bathrooms they could go in and and that like you know people people on the right were saying like oh you can't do this like you know this is but it's like the idea of gendered bathrooms is actually a new invention Mm -hmm. it's only in the last hundred years it was when women went to work that they they separated the bathrooms and then and then that eventually then gets built into building codes and then designers make signs that reinforce that that is the way the world is, but that's not the way the world is. It's, that was a decision that was made that then over time comes to be seen as something concrete. Um, but you can make the argument that that was a design decision, you know, that design codified that way of seeing the world and then it got, you know, ruptured. And then we have to kind of think about it again. It's the same way with like, feminine or masculine Instagram posts right you know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. the way the, the last thing I'll say um because now I'm just like talking too much um <laughs> the the way I like to see design or the way I often try to talk about design is not as problem solving but as um cultural production so what graphic design does is it creates culture um And so the way you can think about that is that design is a way to give ideas form. And so it takes ways of seeing beliefs, ideologies, messages, and it gives them shape. It gives them something tangible, something concrete that then people can hold on to and kind of gather around. And then in that, that's how you like, you know, create a culture that's branding. That's like, all of that is, that's all it's doing. It's kind of creating these cultures. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that relates to the thing you're talking about, but kind of as we were talking about, I I thought that might be helpful to just kind of, you know, if if I were to summarize everything that I've babbled about for the last 48 minutes, that's what it is. It's like moving away from design as problem solving and moving towards design as cultural production. Yeah. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think it it 
that in itself puts more responsibility on a designer than the other way of thinking. Um, and yeah. um, in that we have a larger impact than people. Yeah, That's and it, that can be good or bad. That's true. Because often when you think about design as problem solving, it's like a problem that somebody else has and they ask you to solve it. And, and then that becomes service and clients and all of that. Uh, but when you think about it as production, as kind of creating culture, that all goes back to the design 30 minutes. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good idea. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Good. Let me know. And hopefully, okay. hopefully you can make something interesting out yeah. of this. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Nice to meet you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.